Welcome to the Drinking with the Saints podcast with Mike and Alexandra Foley. Where each week, we mix a bartender's guide with the lives of the saints to help you celebrate the feasts of the calendar with liturgically correct cocktails. Let's get started. Welcome to the Drinking with the Saints podcast. I'm Mike Foley. And I'm Alexandra Foley. And welcome, saintly sippers, to our holy happy hour. Today, we are going to toast to the great legacy of St. Teresa of Avila. Yay! Yay. I'm a late lover of St. Teresa of Avila, which we can talk about. Excellent. But first, you have to ply me with drinks. You got it, lady. What do you have for me? Oh, we have an original Drinking with the Saints cocktail in honor of our saint. There is a cocktail recipe in Drinking with the Saints called the Time Warp in Mm. honor of St. Teresa. But I'll be honest with you, Number one, we don't have all the ingredients for it, and I was too lazy to go out to the liquor store. Number two, it's slightly wonky. It has unusual ingredients like melon liqueur mm-hmm. and a couple of other sort of rare ingredients, and I just didn't want to fill the liquor cabinet with something I'm only going to use a quarter of an ounce of once a year. All right. I wonder, I might like melon liqueur, but you know, I it's little experience. It wasn't bad. I mean, we put it in the book, but I thought we could try something different. Okay, so this cocktail is not in the book. Correct. Okay, make it for me, please. Yes. And then also, I want you to explain, hopefully you will, why the original drink was called the Time Warp. Yes. And, and then, I imagine, did you, are we making up a new name for this drink? Yes, and you know what it's called? So it's a mojito, uh, which is the, the Cuban signature cocktail. Mm-hmm. Been around forever, popularized by Ernest Hemingway in the 20s and 30s, but it's usually made with white rum. Right. There is, however, the Santa Teresa Distillery in Venezuela, which is named after St. Teresa of Avila. It's been around since 1796, and we're going to use their dark rum. So that's like within 200 years of St. Teresa herself. Yeah. Oh, that seems kind of cool. It is pretty cool. Yeah. She was very popular, especially in Hispanic countries. Sure. Makes sense. Yep. She's from Avila. Indeed. And so do you know the name? of this special cocktail, this mojito, in honor of St. Teresa of Avila? I I could sit here and guess if you want, but that's not going to get me to my drink faster. So. No, it won't. It's called Isle Avila Mojito. <laughs> uh, that took me a second, Mike. That's wonderfully terrible. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Isle <laughs> Avila. No- <laughs> Nothing but the best puns for drinking with the saints. <laughs> so I should not laugh that loud because I only encourage you in your bad <laughs> dad humor. All right, Mrs. Foley, can you read the ingredients? I will happily. Six mint leaves. Yes. So I've already put six mint leaves in a shaker, and I'm supposed to gently muddle them, which I'm about to do. You won't hear it because I'm so gentle. I don't know why that's cracking me up. The mint has been gently muddled, Alexandra. All right. Next thing is one ounce of lime juice. This is for one drink, so So hopefully he's... All right. Good. One ounce of simple syrup. Okay. And then two ounces of Santa Teresa rum. And then an optional two ounces of sparkling water. 
Yes. You could just top it with sparkling water a little bit or not have any at all. To your taste. I'm adding ice to the shaker. All the ingredients are in there. And now I will shake the customary 40 times. And then we strain into a glass. There is such a thing called a sour glass, but you can use an old-fashioned glass if you don't have one. And you want to put some ice in the glass before you strain. And then top with soda water, which I forgot to bring up. Just go like this. So we've definitely, it's pathetic. We've definitely made the the sparkling water optional. All right, cheers. Cheers to St. Teresa. And what do we say? To your health and holiness and stay with us, O Lord, for it is getting towards evening. And bless our drinks and our conversation. Cheers. You almost forgot. Mm. I was eager for the drink. That is good. And we actually used a little less simple syrup than the recipe called for, and Mm -hmm. it's still good. I like that. It is a bit on the sour side, but that actually is appropriate. Appropriate, yeah. The reason why I chose a sour drink is St. Teresa had a wonderful sense of humor. And one of her lines was, Lord, save us from sour-faced saints. Oh, good. I like that because I thought you were making reference to her because I I have in her writings at times found her kind of dour. Well, that's what I find so remarkable about her she was in charge of making the Carmelite order far more strict. Right. So she and St. John of the Cross reformed the Carmelite order and called it the uh, Discalced Carmelites. Literally means... Shoeless? Well, it's funny. It it doesn't just mean shoeless. It means unshoed. Take your shoes off. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like a discalced house. You had shoes Mm -hmm. and now you're getting rid of them. Mm Mm-hmm. So she was known for being strict. Yeah. And yet she just had tremendous joy. Mm-hmm. Um, in Dining with the Saints, we quote her. She says, when it is time to fast, it is time to fast. And when it is time to feast, it is time to feast. Yeah, I agree. She had a dry sense of humor. One of my favorite quotes from her is, she was not a fan of the Reformation, which was raging at the time. And one of her lines was, Martin Luther, if he's not in hell... May he be the last one out of purgatory. (laughs) (laughs) That shows charity. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) In a certain key. (laughs) Yeah, not not on the headlines of every uh, ecumenical service. (laughs) No. (laughs) We'll pray for Martin Luther right now, too. Yeah, exactly. Rest in peace. So... She dreamed as a little girl. She and her brother or cousin were little, and they wanted brother to become martyrs. To the Moors. Yep. So they set off from their home in Spain. Like they ran away from home. They ran away from home mm-hmm. to go to the land of the Moors, mm-hmm. which uh, so that they could preach the gospel and suffer martyrdom. Yeah. But their plans were foiled when their uncle saw them walking down the long driveway <laughs> and scolded them and told them to get back. I never heard they got as far as the driveway. Exactly. It was a long driveway there. <laughs> it wasn't like a suburb kind of thing. <laughs> and then uh, the next day, they're like, all right, we're going to be hermits. But they couldn't find enough stones in the family garden to build a hermitage. Oh, 
What a great childhood, it seems like, besides the Moors. Exactly. So just a a real sweet person. And a character. And a character. From a young age, a character. Yeah. So we know if her brother became a saint. Don't hear that. No, and I don't know if he entered religious life. I'm afraid I don't know. Hmm. I'd be curious if any of our listeners know. uh, Send us a comment. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you like about St. Teresa? You said you're kind of a latecomer to her. Right. I mean, I partly, probably because the strict thing, like, oh, she made everything stricter. I found, I found her autobiography interesting that she had been in the convent for 20 years. So you already think, you know, she was this, uh, firebrand and she was so excited to be martyred at age nine. And eventually she goes to the convent and she's there for two decades. And you kind of, you kind of think like, well, after two decades, like you're pretty saintly, but she realized that she had actually become, uh, quite dissolute is the wrong word, but she had become really lax yes. in her spirituality and um, that they found that the house was way too lenient, that they would socialize with other people all the time. Like they would have little uh, like confabs. Visitors coming in. Visitors coming in, talking, and there was a lot of gossip. And she really enjoyed the gossip. And then she had a beautiful um, kind of a conversion experience in front of the crucifix while doing deep meditative prayer that made her realize that, that she had lost her fervor that she um, and that the whole house was kind of in disarray, the convent, because of the the leniency. And then she kind of re called up that vigor that she had as a nine year old, and then rose up and and I guess she you know uh, reformed the the convent itself. So I, yeah, yeah, I, I she like, had found a new convent. She right. had found a couple new convents. And yeah. it was really hard. And what I well, what I found interesting is that. You know, she felt, and this is something I suffer from. I think, like, I'm, I'm okay. You know, I'm not, I'm not murdering anyone. I'm not doing any of these terrible things. But the way she, she focuses spiritually in a way on those little sins, Mm -hmm. the little sins that bespeak a lack of fear of the Lord, Mm -hmm. and fear of the Lord not as a servile fear that's I'm I'm afraid that God's going to punish me, but fear of the Lord that is, uh, is um, what do we call it? Not servile, but filial. Yes, like the the a child, like how you don't want to displease your own father, right? And that she so she's focused so much as so she focuses so much on filial love that I now find that really animating. But I, I haven't gotten that from her primary sources really as much as I have from my favorite spiritual reading book, which I brought. It's called Divine Intimacy. Mm. It's beautiful. It follows the old um, traditional calendar, um, which to me is helpful because that's what we follow. And it's a really beautiful, slow, step-by-step spiritual direction. Mm-hmm. So for anyone who you know can't get a good spiritual direction, or even if you do have a good spiritual director, I highly, highly recommend it. And we will link it um, on our, our uh, show page. It's just so powerful. Excellent. Yeah. No, and she's holding in her hands a well-worn copy of Divine Intimacy. You've gone through this because it's a yearly thing. It's, it goes through the entire... There's a reading for every single day, and it's based on Carmelite spirituality. So it re- relies heavily on Teresa Avila and St. John of the Cross, and then St. Therese. And one of the other reasons why I didn't really love um, St. Therese, mm-hmm. it's uh, St. Teresa of Avila, because mm-hmm. I've always loved sort of the gentleness of, of St. Therese. Of Lucia. And f- of Lucia, and fa- felt like... Um, Avila was sort of like her mean older sister, spiritual older sister, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then this book has helped me see how beautiful, how that's just not true. And when you read, you know, there are often after the um, front matter, which is going through, you know, some kind of development, there are quotes at the end. 
And I can always tell the difference between St. Teresa Avila and St. Therese of Lisieux. Hmm. They're just, there's just a different key. Mm-hmm. Like there's a minor key and a major key. And Therese is just always, always so gentle. Um, but uh, Teresa is a little more feisty. Mm-hmm. But I found that I actually really now kind of prefer the feisty because it is just, it's good for my soul. Yeah. Just to be like, come on, like pull up your, pull yourself together and let, let's do this. Let's love God. She was a Spaniard. Yeah. She was tough. That's true. Yeah. Right. Not the French little flower. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I still love you, St. Therese. And yet, there's one person who didn't see any tension between the two spiritualities, and it was St. Therese. Right. No, she yeah. took her religious name from Teresa of Avila. Exactly. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm grateful to St. Therese for pointing me to Avila. Cool. As like, yeah, as I said, I felt like she was a cranky older sister. It turns out that she was a beautiful older sister, spiritually speaking. Excellent. Wonderful. They're separated by how many years? Like centuries. Two, I mean, yeah, like 200 years, yeah. 250 years probably. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'll give you a little trivia question. The religious order with the most doctors of the church. Carmelites. Yeah. Wow. Isn't well, that and, wild? And then two females. And so Teresa of Avila is the first female doctor of the church, mm-hmm. declared so by Paul VI in 1970. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then the little flower. Then Catherine of Siena was next as the second doctor, female doctor of the church. And she, then, and then Tr- St. Therese of Lisieux. You said Catherine of Siena, but Catherine of Siena is a, like a third order or something? She was a Dominican, third order. Dominican, Dominican. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I'm, we're talking about, I thought we we're talking about female doctors. Sure, sure. I was just, yeah. Yeah. I was making sure, because I, I didn't think she was a Carmelite. Teresa of Avila, third order. Catherine of Siena, Therese of Lisieux. Mm-hmm. And then Hildegard of Bingen was number four of female doctors of the church. Now, she goes way back, though. It's when they're declared doctors of the church. Oh. So they can become saints right away, you know, relatively soon. But to be declared a doctor of the church is a separate process. So when was Bingen, Hildegard of Bingen, whom we love? She lived in the 1100s. Right, but when was but she it, declared? It was by Benedict XVI. Oh, the, my the, goodness. The fellow German. Like, yeah. No, no, she must be raised to the altars. And that, that was a terrible a accent. Spanish <laughs> accent. Go back to Spain, Mike. I was trying to make him not sound like a Nazi. Like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't do German without like making it sound like a commandant, you know? <laughs> we need to work on our accents for sure. <laughs> I mean, that's so interesting. So first declared was Avila, then declared was uh, Siena, Catherine of Siena, then St. Therese, and then Hildegard of Bingen. Yep. And all of them in the last last hundred years, we could say. Yeesh. Oh. That's 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies are getting their time, aren't they? Exactly. <laughs> that's really cool. So one of my favorite stories about... St. Teresa of Avila, is when she finally did get successful, and she did have a really rough time reforming the Carmelite order. She did so with the help of John the Cross, Mm -hmm. who had an even harder time, Mm -hmm. because with him, they beat him, and they imprisoned him. His own order. Yeah. So, small side note, but one of the things I find fascinating about the lives of so many saints is that so many of their struggles were from people within the church. Mm-hmm. Like Not even okay, just within the church. Or the Moors or the Romans right. or whatever. But it's your own superior. It's your own hierarchy. I mean, it's wonderful that the church celebrates these great saints and canonizes them. But at the time, there were elements within the church that were their mortal enemies. I think what that highlights to me in my own life is that 
I belong to a beautiful church. I love my church and the hierarchy, but it does, does not negate the need for personal holiness. That, yeah. you know, it's the, the authority at hand, all the authorities may not be always doing the best job and our personal holiness really matters. Yeah. Yeah. And your integrity. She followed her lights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of those lights, so the, the one story I really like is the, the famous ecstasy that she had. Yeah. And I want to read you her account of it. Because it came, became an inspiration for one of the greatest works of art. Oh, I was wondering if you were going to mention that. It See, deserves mention. Bernini, right? Yes, Bernini. So, it was a vision, an, a mystical experience that she had. She had a vision of a seraph, one of the an seraphim, angel. Mm-hmm. driving a fiery golden lance through her heart. He appeared to me to be thrusting it at times into my heart and to pierce my very entrails. When he drew it out, he seemed to draw them out also, and to leave me all on fire with a greater love of God. The pain was so great that it made me moan, and yet so surpassing was the sweetness of this excessive pain that I could not wish to be rid of it. Wow. That sounds like purgatory. Both painful and... Or an Exeter riddle. Or an Exeter riddle? Yeah, like it sounds, well... A little bit hatsi-tatsi? Yeah, it it sounds like the conjugal embrace. Mm -hmm. Well, that's certainly how Bernini portrayed it. So Bernini carves this magnificent statue called the Ecstasy of St. Teresa. Mm -hmm. And there is a sensual element. Right, he got criticized Um, for that. Oh yeah, the look on her face. It's a little hatsi-tatsi, we'll say. Exactly. Yeah, But... I concur with the opinion of the art critic Irving Lavin, who said that the work captures a point of contact between earth and heaven, between matter and spirit. Mm. And I think that's absolutely right. Hmm. I find it interesting too. Very Catholic. Yeah, I don't know when she was canonized, but Bernini did that with within a hundred years of her death. Huh? You know, it wasn't just sort of like a. That just seems really recent yeah you know but within a hundred years to be doing this incredibly powerful statue yeah can i bring up one more thing oh please do i i think we would be remiss not to mention one of her great spiritual insights was the importance of deep meditative prayer mm-hmm. not you know not rosary is wonderful not just praying the rosary or the divine office or mass but the importance of like quiet uh, intentional deep, meditative, quiet prayer. And that's where she encountered Christ. Yeah. And I think she brought that as part of the reform mm-hmm. to her, her uh, convent, convents. Yeah. yeah. We Excellent. should all do that. Yeah, yeah like absolutely. Make, if you're not doing that already, like make a, uh, a decision to do deep, meditative prayer every day. I like it. Good advice. What else do you like about Santa Teresa. Uh, have you read her interior castle? I have read parts of it. I'm going to be honest with you. I found it difficult. Yeah, I did too. It, we have it. I'm always like, oh, sorry. I actually, it's one of the few books of spirituality that I have not finished because I got about halfway through. It's set seven interior levels. 
And I think I got to about the third or fourth. You know, then you ran I, out of coins like a video game? It was kind of like, no, I have no idea what she's what talking, talking about. about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how I felt. I felt. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it was it was written for fellow religious, fellow Carmelites who would have that deep spirituality. Oh, good. I feel better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm more of a Francis de Sales guy who's right. writing for the laity. He's bringing the hay down to the sheep. Um, goats. Yeah, exactly. Or goats. <laughs> Uh, isn't that the expression? Hey, down to the goats, right? Anyway. Yeah, that's why I have found that reading, uh, and I just find this so often, like I, I mentioned to someone yesterday that even Story of the Soul, St. Saint Ther- Saint Therese of Lisieux, it's kind of like, oh, she's just so sweet. <laughs> and we know that they had balderized her writings, the, her, her convent, to make her, you know, to take out kind of the totsy totsy bits, like yeah. the bits where she's really struggling. And that's not helpful yeah. spiritually. And so ha- having read about St. Therese in some ways has helped me um, appreciate her more. And then Teresa Avila, reading her with divine intimacy has helped me appreciate her more. Because yeah. it's in like, it's in small, op- appropriate for a you know, pathetic lay person like me, chunks. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm like, she's awesome. And she's calling me to overcome my little sins. Let me have such filial love for our Lord that I desire to never... Sin again. Never displease him again. Yeah. That's lovely. This drink is lovely. <laughs> it's also going, going, almost gone. So the goal of the sour, the, the mojito, was that she didn't like sour-faced saints, mm-hmm. but she didn't say anything against sour drinks or no. making your own face sour with a sour drink. Personally, so. this is the perfect amount of uh, sour for me. Yeah. It just gets you a little bit behind the jaw yeah, there exactly. a little bit, but it's not, you know, a drink when you have it in the beginning, you're like, that's nice. And that's a nice amount of sweetness. By the end, you're like, that's cloying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we have a couple other things to talk about. We still have spot on spot. <laughs> we still have spots on our Croatian pilgrimage cruise. We do have a few. We've got, it's only 30 spaces, which is basically 15 couples, although you can also do a singleton. Um, but there's not a lot of space on this. So we want to make sure that our true followers get a chance and it is starting to fill up. Absolutely. And it will be so much fun. Croatia is supposed to be beautiful beyond description. Nice place to be in and July. And we're be on a yacht. Like that's pilgrimaging in style. <laughs> we're still calling it a pilgrimage. We are indeed. But it is from July 19th to July 28th in Croatia. Luxury yacht, beautiful food and accommodations. And it's kind of a fun, low-key. You get to explore and have a lot of time on these different islands we're going to hop to at the same time. Mass every day, beautiful pilgrimage sites kind of daily. Absolutely. And then the other thing, just kind of fun little side note, but Mass of the Ages did a video with Michael Knowles explaining the Latin Mass on five different levels of difficulty. And it is filled with wonderful people and then, unfortunately, me. <laughs> hey, they also have Scooby Doo. They do. There was a. They didn't interview Scooby Doo, but there was a little Scooby Doo reference. Well, I that quoted was really Scooby Doo. You did. That's, yeah, that so was from you. They put up a graphic. <laughs> it is really wonderful. We watched it on Sunday. It's had like sixty-five. Probably last time I checked, which was twenty-four hours ago, sixty-five thousand yeah, views. It's up to eighty-one. Eighty-one thousand views. It's it's tremendous. It's so good. It's only like thirty-five minutes. The little kids in it are adorable. We mm-hmm. happen to know the little kids. 
And I thought the theologian, whatever his name is, was, yeah. was pretty good too. Yeah. I kind of liked him. <laughs> anyway, I, I That's highly just because recommend. You're sleeping with him. And it, <laughs> you're cut off. You're cut off. Uh, the theologian was Mike, everyone. <laughs> Not tonight, Mike. <laughs> anyway, 81,000 viewings. And it's not very long. And for anybody, we watch it with our whole family. For anyone who's interested in the faith or interested in the Latin mass or the difference between the two or just wants to, you know, increase their Catholic understanding, I highly recommend it. And you can find it at massoftheages.org. Sounds good. We'll link that on our show page too. Sounds good. Well, thank you for joining us, Saintly Sippers. We toast to your health and holiness, and we look forward to our next meeting with you. St. Teresa of Avila. Pray for us. Pray for all of us. We love you. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us. Please get in touch with us via email at podcast at drinkingwiththesaints.com. Or on our Instagram page at Drinking Saints. And find Drinking With The Saints book series at drinkingwiththesaints.com or wherever fine books are sold. The Drinking with the Saints podcast is produced by Back Row Media.